You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Time for our weekly segment with the New Hampshire Bulletin. More from them at NewHampshireBulletin.com. Welcome back to the show, reporter Ethan DeWitt. Glad to be back. So we've got uh, we're going to be hitting your three articles you wrote about this week, but I want to start off with the uh, states requesting to use COVID relief funds to pay for private and public school security upgrades, something obviously very topical on everyone's mind around the recent school shootings that have been getting so much national attention. Yeah, so I should say that this is a, a request that's being made to the fiscal committee, which is meeting um, Friday, as in today, and... Um, it's a request from the Department of Education to continue funding this program that has existed since 2017, and that's been dispersing grants to schools, public schools, for infrastructure upgrades and public safety upgrades. So those upgrades have, for the last four years, gone largely to public safety upgrades. Um, a lot of them have gone to surveillance equipment, to alarm systems, to locking doors, et cetera. But some of the money has also gone to, uh, to communications, telecommunications upgrades um, as well. And there was about $30 million of that set aside and almost all but just under a million dollars has been spent. Uh, so, you know, given obviously the tragedy in Texas, um, that's something that, that you know, infrastructure upgrades and safety upgrades in schools is something that people are talking about um, as a response. And so the Department of Education is trying to extend that. They now have these federal COVID money, uh, COVID dollars that the state has received. And so the plan is to give it another $10.2 million boost, uh, which should uh, fund, the department estimates, another 250 additional grants to schools, um, additional projects, and these are matching grants. Um, and uh, so that's the plan. What's new this year is they're also extending it to private schools. That's what they've said in their application to the fiscal committee. And uh, they didn't provide much detail on you know how many private schools or kind of what the um, needs are from the, those private schools. So we'll just have to see how that plays out on Friday. And I'm guessing Today. it's pri- private schools getting funding for various projects has been a big push from Edelblut. And I'm guessing that some people on the left are not going to be terribly happy with even more money going in their direction. Yeah, to be honest, I, I'm not sure what the reaction is going to be tomorrow. We'll have to see as this is this committee is made up of uh, representatives and senators and uh, it's a Republican led committee, but there are Democrats on there. So we'll see what they say. Um, I will say that the federal COVID relief money has been used since the outset of the pandemic in 2020. Um, the state has been using that to allow public schools and private schools kind of reimbursement for uh, you know some of the expenses. I do think it will be interesting to see what the commissioner says is expected to, to be uh, one of the a typical um, expenditure under this fund might look like for a private school versus a public school. Typically, the public schools in the past four years have been using $40,000 to $50,000 grants. And there have been over about 619 that have been approved in the last four years. So if the private schools also use that same uh, amount, $40,000 to $50,000, then it would fit in with the 250 additional grants that the state is expecting to give out. Again, it's hard to know. Private schools have, you know, are obviously, they often have campuses, more buildings, but I think that 
the this is an application process and it's determined by a commission so i think it might be limited in that way but we'll see what the commissioner says yeah are, with these sorts of things are projects usually approved specifically or is it just the school says we need this amount of money and tries to get it based on their uh, their financial situation there's an application process, and so there, I think there is a specific project that the school has to have in mind. And the state has published expenditure records, and you can go through and look at those over 600 projects and look at what they are. A lot of them, you know, like I said, a lot of them are security improvements. You know, some of them are vaguely described as titles. They'll just say security improvements, and they won't say anything more. Some of them will say cameras, uh, and so it just kind of there's varying levels of specificity. Um, but they are kind of logging what these uh, what these items have been. This also came after in 2018, uh, the governor convened a task force that looked at ways to improve school safety. This was after the Parkland, Florida um, shooting, which uh, left 17 dead. Um, and so this kind of was a product of that. One of the one of the commission that task force recommendations, one of many recommendations was to upgrade infrastructure. And so they had this fund. And I think that schools have been taking that up. Um, notably, that did that task force report back in 2018 did not mention anything to do with firearms laws or changing firearms laws, which irked some um, you know people who say that that's part of the package of solutions that are necessary. It didn't mention that, but it did talk a lot about school responses. And so these infrastructure upgrades, which we've been hearing about nationally, um, particularly from Republicans as, as a, as a um, you know, prudent solution, that these are the upgrades that have been going forward. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see that. That's definitely gonna be an ongoing story in the, in the over the coming year, if I had to guess, especially as the next legislative session comes across. Because, it, it, especially looking at what happened in Uvalde, it ended up being a failure of that school specifically with their security procedure. Not the staff member wasn't there that was supposed to be providing security. There was back and forth stories. Obviously, it's a whole other can of worms. But uh, I'd imagine private schools in the state really um, the public schools for the most part should be pretty secure if it's anything to judge off what i see in the concord school district but the private schools may not necessarily be up to snuff with uh with those uh, facilities yeah it's um i i to be honest don't know too much about um the the security protocols at, at private schools but I, it'll, again it'll be interesting if this money gets approved tomorrow which it has to be approved um it'll be interesting to see what the awards for this latest round go towards and i should note again this is a third of the money that was passed in uh, that was approved in 2018 um so it's not exactly a long-term funding um, program. So uh, if these up infrastructure upgrades are to continue, there's going to have to be some more money found for that. Let's move over to elections. You wrote an article about the uh, Wyndham overvoting errors, and, and it was super interesting that what happened in the situation. It kind of really goes to show the importance of just a handful of votes determining how close an election might run. Yeah, so just to bring everyone up to speed um, on in Wyndham, so there, what happened in Wyndham, and an audit kind of confirmed this, was that in uh, folding the ballots uh, um, and sending them out, the Wyndham town officials used a folding machine and weren't looking at where the folds in that machine were going. So those folds went through one of the bubbles. Um, and what happened is those ballots came back and a certain number of them that should have been gone to a Republican candidate 
uh, in one specific house, state house race were rejected. About 300 of them were rejected and 99 of them erroneously went to a Democrat. Um, it didn't actually affect the outcome, but it did make what, uh, you know, did make a race a lot closer. And, and if there had been, you know, a, you know, a few more that could have actually put a Democrat, uh, you know, in the four seats um, as opposed to four Republicans. So when the audit looked at that, they, they determined that this was due to the crease. And it was also due to the voting machines, which uh, can sometimes register things that are called overvotes. And overvote is if you are looking at your ballot and it'll say choose two candidates or choose three because there's only a set number of seats. So in a, in a, for instance, for the state house in Wyndham, there were four open seats, but there were eight candidates on the ballot. There were four Democrats and four Republicans. So if you voted for five, that's too many. That's one more than there are seats. And that is rejected. And um, and so the because of these creases, these machines were seeing the Republicans that had voted for four Republicans and then the crease through the Democratic ballot of that one Democrat candidate. Um, they were registering that as five votes when actually the people who cast those had only meant to cast four. And that's why those people, those votes were, were turned away. Now, this has been an issue for a while. Sometimes a stray mark could make it the machine read it as an overvote and then that vote doesn't count. Sometimes it could be a smudge a piece of dust, it can be a problem. You know, these folds can sometimes be a problem. And this has been a known problem for a while. And what's baffling is that there is an easy solution to this. The machine knows when the ballot goes in, whether there's an overvote and the machine could tell the voter, hey, there's an overvote, maybe you should check your, your ballot. But right now our machines in New Hampshire are not programmed to do so. They could be easily programmed, but they're not. Um, and our Secretary of State, Secretary of State Bill Gardner, and then his successor, Dave Scanlon, have resisted that. Um, and one reason they've resisted is they say it's a privacy issue because if the ballot gets spit back and the voter has to get help from the moderator, the moderator might be able to see who they voted for. That's one of the concerns that's come up. But most other states, um, almost all states uh, besides New Hampshire, have their machines uh, programmed so that if you put in a vote, a ballot that has overvotes, it will spit it back. I was described, the, the, um, one person said it was like a vending machine. You know, you put in a dollar and it spits immediately back. So this is something that is kind of a common sense reform. You know, you, no one wants to not have their vote count and machines do make mistakes. Um, and in Wyndham, as we know, this also fueled a lot of um, theories um, that, uh, you know, conspiracy theories and misinformation about what's actually happened. And some of those theories, even with an outside audit report and an attorney general report, they haven't gone away. Um, and so when I talk to the sponsors, this bill um, is sponsored by Democrats and Republicans, and it has the backing of people from all over the political spectrum. I asked them, you know, if this bill had been in effect and we had the machines being forced to spit out ballots that were overvotes, um, you know, what would have happened in Wyndham? And most agreed that uh, while there were, there might've been some votes that the machine still didn't catch, most of those votes, those 300 votes would have been caught and there would have been, it would have been noticed that there's a problem here with the folds. Um, and then we might not have had all of uh, this fiasco where there was a recount and there was an audit and there's been continual theories about what happened in Wyndham. So one simple legal change that most states were doing already that we had been adamantly not doing for years is finally law after Governor Sunu signed this bill into law. And for me as a reporter, when you cover voting things, there 
there was almost never agreement between conservatives, not just Republicans, but, you know, some pretty far right conservatives on this and Democrats. This is a rare instance where there actually was bipartisan support. It's like the the perfect storm of 2021 election fiasco and local paranoia and local in wanting to do what they want to do and not make changes because we've been doing it this way forever and uh it, yeah. it just makes sense so i understand the paranoia of machines in voting nowadays especially after the tremendous failure that was the iowa caucus in the last presidential election which was a joke and for us at least made the first in the nation primary look more legit which is nice but it, it's there's a lot of uh, mainstream paranoia around any machine around voting yeah and i um i i should say i don't normally cover voting but i was covering it last week because my colleague was on break and i was watching the um the there's a voter uh confidence commission that's been meeting um in the last uh few weeks and they have been hearing from the public uh and this is a group of officials again across the ideological spectrum they've been hearing from people about what they think could be done to build confidence from voters in in the voting process and last week um uh, just right around the time this bill was being signed by the governor there was a, there were a lot of people who showed up uh, to the latest meeting who were saying that machines should be completely barred from voting we should do only hand counts they were setting the windham case and so i think that you know when situations like this happen it does do a lot to uh you know fuel these this misinformation but also erode trust and erode trust from people who are you know well-meaning and just looking at the what happened to windham and saying you know why should we have ballot machines so i think passing this kind of law um, is, it, it, and again, people on all sides of the spectrum who support the law said this to me, that it should go a ways to rebuilding that trust in the, in the process and in these machines. Um, just to fill out what, because I never explained, what happens under this bill now is you, if, you're, if your vote is counted as an overvote, the machine will spit it back to you. And then at that point, you as a voter can make a, a, a correction. Let's say you accidentally did fill in half a bubble and you didn't mean to, or you changed your mind and now the machine's not reading it. The way that the, the new law works, you will then take that ballot and it'll go into a separate box, which will be hand counted at the end of the night. And the reason that's important is because New Hampshire law and New Hampshire Supreme Court precedent um, finds that when you hand count, you have to go with what is the clear voter intention on that ballot. So if you're a voter and you realize, oh, I messed up, I filled in five bubbles, it should have been four, uh, or I had a stray pen mark, or there was a fold. Um, what you can do then is you can circle, you can make it very clear on the ballot, which ones are the ones. You could do arrows. I want these four. I want these three. You could do an X. I don't want this person, even though it looks like I might. And that's going to be hand counted at the end of the night anonymously, you know, and um, that way your vote will be counted by a human and not a machine who's not going to understand those marks. So I think that's another thing that should hopefully build confidence that even though, okay, this didn't work in the immediate moment, um, my vote will still count today. It's fascinating the complex balance that needs to be struck with handling of votes because there there's the time issue there's the safety and security of the individual voting having the anonymity that comes with it in order to have actually have the free election part of it uh, or fair election part of it too the um, 
in the time like the time is so vital you see how like america is very particular like we want to know that night who won the election yeah. and, and so that's when you when you see what's going on with rank choice voting up in maine it's like it, it's great it's cool what it does but it drastically slows it down and it leads to so much confusion over who honestly got the last votes and you also need to make the election easy enough so that the, the, your average joe can just look at look at the results of the election and say okay this person won because if that person doesn't feel like those that that vote is accurate or it was counted in some weird way he doesn't understand it, it erodes all confidence in the election yeah one you mentioned instant results one thing that's also interesting about this new bill is it also requires when if you've ever um stayed at a polling place when the polls closed the machines spit out a tape uh, and if you're a local reporter, you go running over, you look at the tapes and you write down, okay, in this ward or in this town, this candidate got X number of votes. Um, so under this new law um, that uh, again, became law last week, um, those tapes will now have to include how many overvotes were registered by the machines. And it will also have to include how many undervotes. An undervote is when you vote for, you, you leave the, the ovals blank um, and you don't vote in that uh, race. And so that's going to be interesting data for people to look at after the election. They can say, okay, here, here were the issues where there are overvotes. And also here are the issues where there are undervotes. And a lot of people might come in and vote for U.S. Senate and governor and then leave the rest blank. And so now we actually, it's going to be very interesting. We can actually, with this new law, we can actually see, okay, where do they stop? You know, and uh, where where did the interest peter out? That's um, fascinating. That's great. That's be great information. I mean, you also think just the implications directly related to this. You Maybe we'll find out in the long term. Maybe this was an issue that, that was a lot more prevalent than we realized didn't realize until this Wyndham election, but to have that data is outstanding for the future of being able to track what races matter or not to the, the once again, your average Joe. Sure. And to your last point, really quickly, uh, the moderator of Derry um, actually uh, looked at the ballots and did a little mini audit herself. And she testified to the Senate today that in 2020, of uh, that 848 ballots in Derry contained at least one race in which the ballot machines had registered an overvote and not counted the vote. That's almost 5%. Of all the of all the ballots they received, there was at least one race where this happened. So this is clearly an issue, and this could be voter error or it could be machine error. But this new uh, this new law will uh, again spit the ballot back out. You'll know that you need to correct it. You could even cast a new ballot, you know, start from scratch, or you could mark up your ballot. Or if it's very clear, you can just put it in the box and it'll be hand counted the other night. So I think to your to your earlier point, I think this might be a, a bit more common of a problem than people had realized before. But now we have a pretty powerful tool to keep it in check. Ethan DeWitt, reporter of the New Hampshire Bulletin, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them. Definitely follow their uh, writing. It, it's great having them on WKXL in the morning every Friday in the 6 a.m. hour and on demand at NHTalkRadio.com. Uh, if you go there, you'll be able to see all the articles we talk about uh, linked in the uh, podcast description. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll be right back after this.